This is Fullness of Life, discussing topics important to your life of faith and ways to grow in a life of grace. Join us each month as we inspire listeners to a deeper relationship with the Lord to live His fullness of life. Now, here's your host, Letty Medina. Hello, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life on 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. And I'm here in the studio with my dear friend, Deacon Tom Beagle. And we are going to be talking all about the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so welcome, Deacon Tom. Thank you, Letty, for having me today. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here because um, as a deacon, I know you hold up the chalice at, at every Mass, and uh, th- where you're serving at the Mass. And um, since July is the month that the church uh, celebrates, it has an actual feast of the precious blood. I thought it was very appropriate for us to highlight that uh, during this month. And it's, I thought, you know, many times as Catholics, we don't always know some of these feasts. We have so many feasts across the year that perhaps it was really a, a good topic to really highlight for our listeners. And I think one of the most important things that we should all hopefully recognize is the fact that across the world today, most people aren't receiving the precious blood. And so hopefully through this show that people will longingly await the opportunity to be able to receive the precious blood, you know, at a Holy Mass. Yeah. And that's such a good point. You know, I hadn't even thought about that aspect, but you're right. I actually do miss receiving the precious blood very much because it was just something that uh, I truly cherished. Um, So I think there are a lot of people out there who are missing that beautiful um, part of receiving Jesus. So why don't we start at the beginning? Let's go back to the Old Testament and highlight some of the figures in the Old Testament that prefigured Christ and his precious blood. So the first one that I can think of is the story of Cain and Abel. I think one of the most important things to understand comes from Genesis. And we see Cain and Abel, which were the offspring of Adam and Eve. And, you know, the quarrel and the feud, obviously, that was created and the jealousy of Cain towards his brother Abel when he received a unique and special blessing from uh, from God. And so that blood feud, when Abel was innocently killed and the blood actually seeped into the earth, we recognize that, you know, a blood feud was created and the only way in which that was to be ended was for more blood to be spilt. So interesting. And again, most people perhaps don't understand that that story is a prefigurement of Jesus. Of course. And we also recognize the fact that Cain was spared. God saved him uh, from that punishment. The next story, and I know this is one of your favorite stories, is the story of Abraham and Isaac. It is absolutely one of my favorite stories. It's going back to all the way when I was actually a youth. And so that particular story, when I read it over and over again in the Bible, um, was always challenging to me. I always looked at that particular story and saw the figure of Abraham with his son Isaac and looking at the faith that he demonstrated right? His willingness to surrender and sacrifice everything that was significant to him unto God. And could I do that? Yeah. Would I be willing to trust God that much to take something so precious and so valuable, something that truly is beyond price or treasure, Yes. right? And, and be willing to render that to God. And so when we look at that particular story, we recognize the fact that God wasn't testing Abraham. He was actually revealing to him his own faith. And that blood, right, that would ought to be spilled from the innocent victim, which was Isaac. Isaac had done nothing wrong. He was innocent. We see in Isaac the prefigurement of Christ himself, that Christ-like figure yes. who comes and is placed on the altar of sacrifice, completely and totally innocent. And what does God do? He replaces Isaac with a sacrifice available in the ram. Yes. And so he spares us, his children, the turmoil, right, of of having to pay that penalty of death. 
and provides the sacrifice for us instead. That's so beautiful. What about Melchizedek? Yeah, and so all modern priests are configured in the line of Melchizedek, and we see a shift. We see a shift in in the sacrifice and what sacrifice means, because traditionally speaking, all sacrifices, especially for the atonement of sin, was done through an animal sacrifice. And here we have Melchizedek, who is now presenting both bread and wine as the sacrifice. And so we see the fact that, you know, what he's calling to our attention is the fact that the blood sacrifice will never be satisfied. Just like Cain and Abel, that blood lust, right? Yeah. That blood sacrifice will never be satisfied. It will go on and on and on and on. It will never be satisfied for the, for the sins of humanity. And so what he demonstrates is really the prefigurement of our Eucharistic celebration, the offering of bread and wine, a pure and holy sacrifice by which that offering is satisfied for our sins. So much to learn. It's, it's, an, it's a fascinating link from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The other story that I, I've always loved is when we reflect on the fact that the night before the Israelites left Egypt to follow Moses into the desert, the Lord asked them to put the blood on the doorposts uh, to protect them from the angel of death. The Passover, Passover itself signifies the preservation of the Israelite people, that through their faith and the, the spreading of the lamb's blood across the doorpost, that the angel of death would pass by. And that's precisely what Christ does for us. Through his own sacrifice and the sacrifice of the Paschal lamb, he is preserving us from the penalty of death and allowing us passage into eternal life. And so out of slavery, right, comes new freedom in life through Christ himself. Yeah, that's beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about some of the scriptures that highlight the early venerators of the precious blood from, from the New Testament. So the first one that I can think of is Peter. So in 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 19, we read, realizing that you were ransomed from your feudal conduct handed on by your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a spotless, unblemished lamb. All of us need to understand that that sacrifice of blood, of Christ's blood itself, right? It draws our attention and should render our hearts to the intimacy by which God wants and desires a relationship with us. That he's not using coin or treasure or material goods. No, he's giving of his very self in order for us to be saved and to recognize the depth by which he wishes to commune and to be in union with us. Yes. And it's so interesting, again, in a, in a time where so many people are very attached to material things and, you know, we value um, homes and cars and money many times far more than our relationship with Jesus Christ because we don't understand what he did for us. And that is truly something that we all need to reflect on. What is it that we truly value? Yeah. Right? When Christ pours out his own blood for us, right? There's there's nothing greater. And he demonstrates that on the cross and he signifies that that there is no greater gift than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Yeah, so beautiful. The other scripture I wanted to reflect on was from St. Paul to the Colossians. So 1 Colossians, verses 19 through 20. For in him all the fullness was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things for him, making peace by the blood of his cross, whether those on earth or those in heaven. We can't have peace within our own lives until we really understand the fullness of what Jesus did for us. We recognize the fact that our own sin, right, is being washed away. And what that does is it helps us to recognize the fact that when we look at our brothers and sisters, when we look at the world around us, we look at the dysfunction and, and how people 
behave and treat one another. When we look at Christ's sacrifice, it helps us to understand that we need to be compassionate towards everyone in the entire world, that even as Christ poured out his very life upon the cross, he asked the Father to forgive those right, who were inflicting all of this harm yeah. in order for mercy to be demonstrated. Mm-hmm. And I think when we look at all of what's transpires, we look at the relationships that we've built, do we do the same? Do we oftentimes look at people with condemnation or do we look at people with eyes of mercy? Beautiful. Yes, and forgiveness, as we know, is one of the stumbling blocks for so many of us to really move into that peace and that freedom that Christ alone can give. So and it's, it's really important. And it's through Christ's blood that the sacrament of confession is made available. Exactly. That it's, it's through that grace that was poured out that allows us the opportunity to be forgiven for our own sins, whatever they may be. And I think that offering of his own blood Right, speaks to the magnitude that there is nothing that can't be forgiven by him. Amen. Because he gave all of himself in order for us to live in that grace and that freedom and fullness of life. Yeah. And, you know, on this radio show, I love to encourage people to go to confession. It's one of the most beautiful gifts that our church offers. It's a healing sacrament. It's a sacrament to help poor, where we receive tremendous grace from God um, to start again, to start again, because we all need to start again when we fall into sin. And so that's my little plug for confession on this show. Uh, The next uh, scripture I'd like us to talk about is from uh, the beloved disciple John in Revelation 714. And he writes, I said to him, my Lord, you're the one who knows. He said to me, These are the ones who have survived the time of great distress. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What does that mean? The book of Revelations is not an easy one to interpret. And there's definitely lots of different scholars who have taken that particular book and and formed various opinions. But I would say that the ones that are most readily accepted speak to the fact that Revelations really depicts the time right after Jesus when uh, the Christian people, um, newly formed church, were being persecuted under Roman law. And you can see throughout the course of history that many during this time went willfully to their deaths in faith and their belief in Jesus Christ, that yeah. they would not deny the fact that Jesus was God's only son. And and so, therefore, these people, you know, were sent, thousands of them, right, under persecution of Roman law, uh, shed their blood for the faith. And it is upon their blood, right, that the blood of the martyrs, that the church was built. Yes. What greater testimony can people offer or give than to be willing to offer or render their lives in belief, right? It's, it speaks to the reality of who Christ was and the fact that all of these people witnessed him ascend into heaven. Yes. And, you know, and then in, in addition to that, we know that throughout the history of the church, There have been martyrs across all the centuries, even until today, because people who come to know the Lord, right, through practice of the faith and a personal living relationship with this loving God, he reveals his love to these people. They are willing to die for him, whether, you know, it's in China or Africa or wherever it is. Um, There are martyrs even happening in our time. Because you and I both know that once you truly accept Jesus Christ into your heart, there's no going back. No. You, you are forever transformed and changed that his life that is poured into each and every person that accepts that free gift will walk just as Jesus walked and pursue a life of holiness and grace. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I'd like to add is that 
this radio show, Fullness of Life, I mean, my hope and desire, what God has put on my heart is to encourage the listeners, anybody who is willing to listen, that we are called to greater holiness. We are called to greater faithfulness, greater commitment to our Lord and, and being willing, being willing to, to be all in. And that means um, if we're ever faced with that possibility that we were in a position to give our lives for the Lord, you know, asking for the grace that he would give us that grace not to turn away. It's, it's scary. <laughs> I have to admit it's scary. <laughs> but it is what we're called to be as true Christians and followers of him. And Lydia, I'd just like to add one more piece of scripture. Christ is very clear that so unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life within you. Amen. That particular passage is so clear. It's, it's evident that that is what Christ calls each and every person to live by, yeah. right? Because it's without his blood, right? Without his body, which we firmly believe is truly present within the Holy Eucharist, within the sacrifice of the Mass, that we have no life. We have no ability to be able to say that we are receiving God's life within us because that is truly the, the one thing that unites us most closely and most intimately with God. Amen. Well, it is time for a commercial break. Please stay with us. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. We'll be right back. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. A prayer for deliverance with Father John Grigas. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we just ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come down upon us, the intercession of Our Lady and of all the saints and angels, and we come against any influence of the occult or the New Age that might have infiltrated any of our listeners, their children, their grandchildren, their nieces, nephews, brothers, and sisters, and families, and we bind Satan and all of his minions in any way that have bound any of these individuals or their families in this occult practices, and we invoke Mother Mary, all so in all the saints, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I just break all bounds and all influences of the new age upon any one of our listeners. And may they be broken in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May he send upon them the grace of the Holy Spirit to free them. And may our mother Mary place her mother in the mantle to protect them and crush the head of the evil one as she was promised to do so in Genesis after the fall. Amen. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I'm sitting here with Deacon Tom Beagle, and we're talking about the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the saints and how they have referred to the, the gift of the precious blood throughout the centuries. So one of these saints is Saint Mactilda, who lived a long time ago. I want to say she lived in the 1200s. I'm not exactly sure. But one of the things that she uh, wrote about, she said, Our Lord revealed himself on the altar, his hands extended and blood streaming from his wounds. And he said, I show these bleeding wounds to my father to appease his wrath. He pardons when he sees the blood. Let sinners look upon me and they will be moved to repentance, confidence, and love. Isn't that beautiful? It's extraordinary. And I think when we think about Jesus 
we should recognize the fact that as he is glorified and he sits at the right hand of the Father, he still bears the marks and the wounds of crucifixion. Yeah. That was critically important for the disciples to even witness when he came back, when he was resurrected, that he wanted them to understand that he still went through the passion, right? That he retained those wounds, not only so that we understand the gift, right, of his sacrifice, but more importantly, to have confidence in the life after, right? That our, that our bodies, right, are resurrected through his own resurrection. So powerful. It's, a, it's an image that, you know, we really need to, to reflect upon often. And oftentimes, how often do our wounds of our past sometimes become the greatest stories of God's glory. Amen. Beautiful. So one of the other saints that I have a special devotion to, St. Catherine of Siena, and she wrote a lot of letters, and she wrote them to popes, to cardinals, to bishops, always trying to give advice and to ask uh, for special things that she felt the Lord was directing her to. And what she always began with was, I address you in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. How, how beautiful is that? Catherine of Siena is certainly one of the most incredible saints that we have and one of the astounding models of faith, right? A doctor of the church. And for her to be able to address others shows us and demonstrates the significance of the precious blood. Exactly. I know this is one of your favorite saints, St. Saint John Vianney, the Curie of ours. And he encouraged people to ask the Blessed Mother to offer the precious blood in, in our stead, since this was the best method in prayer, in his opinion. What would you say about that? Well, I, I look at the wedding feast of Cana. It's a perfect reflection of Our Lady and her role in each one of our lives within the role of the church. And to understand that when Mary asked Jesus right, to perform that miracle, she also recognized the fact that he was starting his public ministry which eventually would lead to his crucifixion. Yes. And that is obviously a powerful moment, right, within the scriptures. And it is certainly something that we should continuously keep in mind as we pray to our Lord. So beautiful. The final one I want to read is St. John Chrysostom. He wrote, This blood, when worthily received, drives away demons and puts them at a distance from us and even summons to us angels and the Lord of angels. This blood poured out in abundance has washed the whole world clean. This is the price of the world. By it, Christ purchased the church. Powerful statement. And certainly we should recognize worthily received. Yeah. How often do we go and attend mass? We're either, A, we're simply not, spiritually prepared. Our souls are not really focused on the mass and the gift that we are about to receive and the experience, right, of entering into the mass. And we oftentimes are distracted. We're oftentimes not focused. And, you know, we need to be mindful of that. But not only that, but we have to also recognize the areas of sin, that are part of our lives? And are we going forward in communion and receiving unworthily? Yeah. Are our hands clean or are they dirty? Yeah. Most of us wouldn't go to our dinner tables with dirty hands. Right. Yeah. But yet we do it at mass all the time. Yeah. From a spiritual standpoint. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do. I want to share just personally that today... I went to Mass, and I recognized the beginning of the Mass uh, that I was not, I should not go up. And, you know, it was kind of shocking to me when I realized that, but then I thought, no, that's, that's right. I have to get to confession first. So I chose not to go up. And, you know, there was such a freedom in that when you recognize it's better not to receive when you recognize there's some sin on your soul that 
really has to be brought to confession before you are worthy to receive this great gift. And I hope our listeners recognize that it is, there's no shame in that. We have an obligation to go and attend Mass, but we have no obligation other than once a year to receive Holy Communion. And so when we know that it's inappropriate and improper for us to receive the body and blood of our Lord, then there's more graces poured upon us when we knowingly don't receive because we're not in a place of worthy reception. Yep, that's such an important point. So let's start talking about the different times that Jesus did pour out some of his blood um, in, in his life. And so the first one that I read about was at his circumcision at eight days. Um, it says, Our Lord shed his blood the first time when he was circumcised according to the law of Moses. This alone, according to many great saints and theologians, was enough to redeem a thousand worlds. But following the divine plan, he chose to shed it all. That's just a profound thing that I had never thought of. The blood of our Lord is divine. Amen. And there is no comparable or equitable material or substance in the universe that equates to the blood of the divine lamb. Wow. So powerful. So then we go to Christ's passion. Um, Deacon Tom, read the scripture from Luke 18. It says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and insulted and spat upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. But on the third day he will rise. That must have been so distressing for them to hear from this beautiful man that they loved and they had been walking with for three years. To hear that he was going to have to be killed must have just shook them to the core. It's certainly something that even we ourselves, even to this day, have a difficult time grasping. Yeah. That God himself would allow this to be done. Yeah. That he would bear the marks and the insults and the barrage and the battery of us yeah. in order for us to be redeemed. Such, such a loving, sacrificial act, self-giving, total self-giving. So we begin after the, the, the Last Supper, he goes into to the garden and it says, After the Last Supper on Holy Thursday, our Lord and his apostles went to the Garden of Gethsemane. There he disbanded his sacred divinity to suffer more intensely in his sacred humanity only, foreseeing the horror of his sacred passion. St. Luke tells us he entered into agony and his sweat became as drops of blood trickling down upon the ground. This particular passage is something that has been studied over and over again. And, you know, you can read all different types of um, books and commentaries that speak to the fact that this is, in fact, possible from a medical standpoint. If the body undergoes an extraordinary amount of stress, oftentimes when there's, you know, a catastrophic accident of some sort, um, this can actually happen, that the blood vessels within the body and within the skin can actually burst and individuals can actually sweat blood. And this is exactly what Jesus went through. He was facing not only the prospect of his own scourging and crucifixion, but he was also wrestling with the demonic as well, that they were trying to turn and sway his desire to follow the Father's will for his life. Yeah. And he he was scared. He was in his humanity. He was scared and he asked three times, if it's your will that this cup pass from me, but not my will and yours be done. And that's what we should all aspire to. Yeah. Jesus reflects the fact that 
throughout his entire lifetime. His desire was to do the Father's will. That regardless of the outcome, his own personal desires, however he wished to live his life, he focused on doing the Father's will. Because that, ultimately, he knew was not only the right thing to do, but brought him the most amount of joy. Exactly. Hard to understand because it involves so much suffering, but it is truly what he knew he was called to, and he did it with joy. So the next part of the suffering he endured um, is the scourging. And it says that one of the cruelest tortures inflicted on our divine savior was the scourging at the pillar. Anne Catherine Emmerich describes the scene. The base wavering pilot, after finding no guilt in Christ, ordered the scourging with the aim of raising the pity of the Jews and let him go. Thereupon, the cruel executioners lashed the innocent lamb with three kinds of scourges, each more vicious than the last. Roman law prescribed 50 blows, but our Lord received thousands of blows. And this is confirmed by reports of Venerable Mary of Agrita and St. Bridget. So throughout the history of our church, people that are later raised to the status of saints or venerable, uh, which is on the path to sainthood, um, sometimes have visions given to them or insights provided to them by, by heavenly visitors. Sometimes it's Jesus, sometimes it's Mary, other saints. And we not that we have to believe what they say, but oftentimes it kind of enriches our understanding of some of the things that we wouldn't have any knowledge of otherwise, right? And so we know, even from the scriptures and even from a historical standpoint, the viciousness of Roman persecution, they were experts in the areas of torture. And in order to enforce laws throughout a vast empire, they ruled by fear. Yeah. And, and crucifixion and the viciousness by which they ruled was a way in which they could continue uh, their dominance within this particular area. And so when we look at what happened and what transpired at the scourging of the pillar, they say that Christ was unrecognizable as a man yeah. after he endured lashing after lashing, that the very flesh from his body was ripped free and that he wouldn't even be able to be recognized by those by whom he loved. And when you look at that incredible cruelty and you compare it to the innocence and the love of who Jesus was, it's just astounding. It is. And, you know, I just have to bring highlight the fact that, you know, I have a crucifix here on the wall and there's very little blood on it. It's quite clean looking, you know, and it's, I think, way more comfortable for us, right? To look at a cross with a Jesus that's kind of clean looking and not to go deeper and not to really reflect on what you just pointed out. And because when we recognize the suffering that Jesus endured for us, for our sin, it does make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Because we recognize the areas of sin that we haven't surrendered, that we continuously engage in purposefully. And so therefore, when we look upon the cross, when we fully recognize the suffering he endured, it should make us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And anyone who's watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson, I remember reading um, a, an article about it. And Mel Gibson insisted that he be the hand that did, held the hammer that put the first nail in the hand of Christ in that movie because he wanted to kind of admit that it was, you know, he was a sinner too, right? And he had a part to play in the crucifixion of Christ. I thought that was a really 
beautiful thing to know that he had gone into that kind of reflective mode in making that movie. And I hope we all recognize that, Absolutely. that we all play a part in the passion of Christ. Yeah. He died for every one of us. End of story. The next part of it was the crowning of thorns. And again, this is something that um, we don't possibly reflect upon too much, right? But I know you've reflected on it because you've shared it with me. What would you share with the listeners? After Jesus was scourged, he was once again tortured by by salt water being poured into his open wounds in order for him to be revived, physically revived. And think about just the incredible pain and uh, stinging sensation uh, that you would experience through that. But that was truly to keep his body from shutting down. And then, of course, they lead him into a side room and they crown him with a crown of thorns that they've built. And if you've ever seen the type of thorn bushes that exist in that area of the world, they're not small. They're not your traditional rose bushes. They're thorns that are easily an inch to two inches long. And they're incredibly sharp and they're almost metal-like. And so they had to drive that crown of thorns into his skull. And it never came off throughout the course of his entire crucifixion. Everything that he suffered and endured built upon the next torture and cruelty. So when we oftentimes pray the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary, we think about how he suffered in the agony of the garden, and then we forget about it. And then we think about how he was scourged, and then we forget about it, move on to the next. That's not what happened. Every mystery built upon the pain and the suffering that our Lord endured all the way up until his crucifixion and at the end of his earthly life. Yeah. He endured it all. It's, it's very hard to wrap your minds around that. It's time for another commercial break, but please don't go away because there's even more to share. And we want to talk about the beauty of the mass and how it brings us this great gift of the precious blood. So don't go away. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the U.S. Director of the Apostleship of Prayer, and I ask you to support Catholic Radio in your area because Catholic Radio is the way that we can get the word out today. It's Catholic evangelization at its best, and I've heard conversion stories all over the place because of people who have tuned in as they're driving or in their homes, listening to Catholic Radio by accident, and the Lord touching their hearts through the message they heard. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Welcome back, everyone. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life, and I'm here with Deacon Tom Beagle, and we have been talking all about the precious blood of our Lord and just trying to help people to understand what an incredible gift we have been given through this Savior um, who came down, took on our human flesh, and died for our sins. Um, the last part that we were, you know, just reflecting on is the various parts of his passion. And so we're at the part of the crucifixion, which is 
really what we're celebrating at the Holy Mass. And the Mass itself draws us into that mystical experience of walking with Christ through each of those moments of his passion. We oftentimes don't necessarily see or witness that actually occurring, but nonetheless, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. As we walk through the Mass, we're actually witnessing Christ offering himself. And as, right, as the priest elevates the sacred body, I want all of us to think about how Christ, in his crucifixion, that his cross was raised up on Calvary for everyone to witness, for his true body to be overlooking all of Jerusalem and the entire world. That is what's happening when the priest elevates the host. We are witnessing Christ there present on his cross, his true flesh, his true blood, his offering of his very life. That is the gift that Christ wants us to witness. Yeah. And, you know, I have to just admit, like, uh, as faithful as I am, I go to Mass every day. I, I, I love the Lord and His church. I, I hunger for, you know, for the Lord. But I have to admit that I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that reality. Like, because I don't have the ability to see anything beyond the Eucharist itself, right? The, the apparent piece of bread that's being elevated it's very challenging for me to really connect that that's what's happening at that moment. So, you know, I hope that the listeners who most are probably like me, right, that they don't really understand all that's happening. But that's, that's what, why we're having this show. So that we can encourage people to really go deeper and really pray into that. Try to really focus at that time about what was happening to Jesus as he was raised up on Golgotha on that cross, thinking of each one of us. There is nothing more important than that moment of consecration. Yeah. That, is, that is the apex of the Mass. That is the moment by which we recognize Jesus on the cross. That is the offering of himself to the Father in atonement and appeasement for our sins. And I think, you know, I want to encourage people. So in today's world, there's a lot of us who um, have fallen away from the regular practice of the faith. And I was one of them. For years, I stayed away from, you know, Sunday Mass. And I didn't understand what I was staying away from. Like if I had understood the gift that was being offered to me, I would never have stayed away so long. And so I, I've encountered many, many people, people I love in my family and friend groups, they don't go to mass because they do not understand what is being offered. And so anyone who's listening right now who perhaps hasn't been to mass, I mean, we're inviting you back, come back. This is the greatest gift available to us to come to the holy mass and to be able to Again, go to confession first if you haven't been in a while. Come and receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. It is life-changing. It is. It's the greatest thing available on this earth. What is more important than spending time with Jesus? There's so many other distractions in this world that people think of that are far less significant. And we, we, need to, we need to challenge ourselves in terms of what do we value? What is it that's most important? What is it that we really want? So many people are wondering whether or not, you know, Jesus has any influence in this world at all. And yet he calls us every Sunday. In fact, every day if we can. Yeah. To celebrate life with him. Amen. And, and I think that's the thing to emphasize to anyone, again, who's listening, who perhaps 
hasn't stepped through the doors of a church. And, and, you know, I've heard this comment many times. Well, I'm spiritual and I don't believe I, but I don't like religion or I don't like the church. And so I worship in my own way and I don't need to go to church. But what I think I want to really emphasize, and I, and I hope you can add to this, is that when we become part of the community of worship, uh, not only are we actively living out what he calls us to as a member of the body of Christ, together we are the body of Christ. So if we separate ourselves from that living body, we're harming ourselves. We're not, we're not going to the fountain of all grace, who is Jesus Christ himself, present fully in the Eucharist, and that's what nourishes us and keeps us attached to him. Anything you would add to that? I mean, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches and you have no life within you separated from me. Yeah. And so he continuously calls us to be in right relationship with him. But we also know that we are also called to love our neighbor. Yeah. And so he always draws us back into community. We are Christ's body and collectively we are expected to love one another. Yeah. Obviously, you know, the people within, you know, our places of worship, but also outside of that as well. Yeah. And and again, just to emphasize, and there's no condemnation. When I'm talking about this and encouraging people to come back, I'm not judging you. Wherever you're at, you're at. I was there too. Um, but what I am hoping is to encourage you not to be afraid to come back because it is truly where you will find fullness of life. It is where you will find the strength for the journey and the strength to love people who can be really difficult to love at times, right? And, and God ultimately is merciful. Yes. That is the hallmark. The price has already been paid for your salvation. Amen. Through his blood, the, the entry price has already been paid. You have already been bought through his sacrifice it's a question of whether or not you wish to receive that gift yeah so there's let's talk a little bit about the power of the precious blood you know there's a list of things that i kind of want to mention so we heard earlier in that quote um, from saint john chrysostom about how the precious blood protects us from evil what would you say about that well um that's oftentimes when i pray with people and I'm seeking God's protection. Um, I do ask Jesus to, to actually pour down his precious blood upon me. And if you look at the Old Testament scriptures, particularly within you know the Exodus and Moses, that's precisely what he does with the people. Yes. You know, if you look at the Feast of Corpus Christi and the, the readings from you know the book of Exodus explains the fact that Moses poured blood upon the altar, but then he sprinkled the people with blood. And it's because of that gift of sacrifice, right, that protects us, that insulates us from all that is evil because we know and understand whom we belong to, which is Jesus Christ himself. Amen. He bought us with his blood. The next part is to heal us from sin. So the power of the precious blood is, is it's a healing gift, um, and we've talked about the sacrament of confession, but I want the listeners to, to realize that if you have venial sin, so not a serious mortal sin, which is one of the more devastating kinds of sin, but a, a venial, a lesser sin on your soul, every time you receive the Eucharist, you're, you're forgiven. Correct? I'm saying that right. Yes. Actually, any time that you attend Mass, right, and you... Um that you attend and that you atone for your sins, right? So the, the priest actually says words of, of general absolution as part of calling to mind our sins. Yeah. But then you're also forgiven once again when you actually receive communion, if you're able to receive. It's all gift. That's what it is. The mass is all gift. To heal, it has the power to heal our physical bodies. Isn't that amazing? People would be running to Mass if they understood that, right? For sure. I mean, 
truly God is the divine physician and he gives himself to us fully. And so truly miracles of healing, physical healing do happen during the Holy Mass. And more importantly too, the transformation that occurs within ourselves, within our souls is far more reaching than even any physical healing that could occur. Christ truly becomes one with us as we receive his precious blood and his body. And so we become more configured to Christ every time that we receive that gift of communion. So beautiful. And then the last two things I want to point out is, is the, pow the power of the precious blood is to convert our hearts and to save our souls, right? So this is a journey towards heaven. If, if we are right ordered about who we are and who God is, our whole focus should be on how are we going to get to that eternity of joy that he has promised us, right? Um, so it's an ongoing conversion throughout our lives because we are sinners and we're weak. Um, that we have to keep running back to him in order to be able to really continue the journey towards him, correct? And we don't get there on our own. One of the precious gifts that I've received is through ordination is the ability to elevate the precious blood of Christ in the chalice. And as I lift that offering up to God, I know unequivocally, undeniably, that there is nothing that I can do to merit my way into heaven. Yeah. That it is only through his blood and the sacrifice of the cross that we are made worthy. And so we need to appreciate the fact that God doesn't expect us to be perfect. God expects us to come to him and to receive the gift of his mercy. That is the means by which we enter into heaven, not because of anything that we do, but because of all that he did. Yeah. I want to point out one final little devotion that I want our listeners to be well aware of, and that's the, the devotion to the divine mercy uh, that St. Faustina um, shared through the, the revelation she was given through our Lord. And one of the beautiful prayers that we pray in the divine mercy chaplet is this. Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ in atonement for my sins and the sins of the whole world. Now, isn't that a powerful prayer? It's certainly one of the most impactful prayers that the church has ever received because of the fact that St. Faustina was all about gathering, especially those souls that were potentially on the brink of not going to heaven. Yeah. And so her sole focus was to recover all of those that maybe, you know, wouldn't have that opportunity. And it broke her heart. And so therefore, she started praying, received this prayer and started praying it continuously, as many people do throughout the course of, of the entire world at this point. Yes. For the recovery of those that we know maybe aren't necessarily living a life that will allow Christ to work in their lives. Yes. And so we hope that all our listeners will, will take up this special devotion and really pray for people who have lost their faith, that yeah. maybe don't believe in God, that maybe are are living a life that's contrary to, you know, holiness and, and goodness. Right. And and hopefully God, through your prayers, will allow grace to enter in just enough in order for them at the end of their lifetime to stand before Christ and be washed, washed clean in his blood and allowed entry into his kingdom. Yeah, that's a beautiful um, gift that we can offer the Lord to help fight for souls so that we can help in the, the plan of salvation by, by praying these kind of prayers. So in this last couple of minutes, Deacon Tom, I know you had a powerful personal experience at your first Mass after your ordination. Would you mind sharing that with our listeners? Of course. So just after 
I was ordained, I had a Mass of Thanksgiving, which was the first Mass that I was able to um, to assist a priest um, in the sacrifice of the Holy Mass. And I didn't know necessarily what to anticipate, but I knew I was going to be nervous. <laughs> and But I knew it was going to be okay. But as the priest handed me the precious blood and I elevated the chalice, it was like I was standing on the rock of Golgotha and that the precious blood of our Lord from his side was pouring out into the cup itself, into the very chalice that I was holding. And as I raised it up, I could see the storm clouds rolling in and the sorrow of the Father, the anger and almost the vengeance, right, of of what had transpired and the fact that we had murdered his perfect and innocent son. And yet the blood of Jesus Christ stood between myself and all those gathered at Mass and the Father. And it glorified Jesus. It glorified him in terms of what he did and what he offered out of love for each and every one of us. And you could see how that emotion of anger and sorrow turned into joy and into understanding. So amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that beautiful experience with us. Well, it's time to bring this show to a close, and I hope that our listeners have just really been blessed with learning a little bit more about the incredible gift of the precious blood. Would you do us the honor of just ending us with a final blessing, Deacon Tom? would love to. So as we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Dearest Lord, we just ask that you just bless each and every one of the listeners out there today. Anyone who's listening to this show that has had any type of trial or difficulty or challenge within their life, we ask Jesus that you just pour your precious blood down upon them right now, from the very top of their heads to the very soles of their feet, that they may be washed clean, that they be made new and holy and pure. Lord, that you place upon them a pure white garment in order for them to understand the holiness and sanctity of life, Lord, that you're calling each and every one of us to. Pray that you continue, Lord, just to work within their lives and instill with them the grace that is necessary to walk in your footsteps and to be called a true disciple, loving and serving you above all else and all those in this world. For this we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening in. This is Letty Medina with Fullness of Life. Until we meet again, I'm wishing you all his fullness of life. Bye. Sovereigna Mozza misericordia, pizza dolcedo, et spes nostra sabe, a te clamamus, exules filieme, a te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ega ergo, advocata nostra, illus tuos misericordes oculos a nos convete. Et Jesu, benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis postoc exilium ostende. Oh,